What is your why? Do you want dynamic growth? Do you feel stuck? It's time to fix your why. Welcome to the Fix Your Why podcast. I'm Billy Ryan. And today we're talking about best. A lot of times when I ask people, what's your why? They say, I want to be the best. And to that, I say, who doesn't want to be the best? Uh, I use the word best to motivate me when I wrote my story or lived my story that I write about in my book, Fix Your Why. You may want to, for me, I wanted to be the best home builder. You may want to be the best, quote unquote, whatever that label is, is okay with me. You put in there whatever you want to be. Best graphic designer, best artist, uh, best accountant, whatever. In Darren Harding's work, The Compound Effect, he says, the person who has a clear, compelling, and white-hot burning why will always defeat even the best of the best at doing the how. Simon Sinek also talks about knowing your why. And the truth of the matter is that being the best should not be your why. It was my why to a certain extent, but I'll explain how being the best as a thought does not necessarily motivate the best in what you do. Best operates at multiple levels. You can be the best company. You can work with the best. You can be the best leader. You can be your personal best. We know about all these things and they're all critical, important, important and worthy. You'll learn that being the best being alone at the top means that you have to set the bar for what best looks like because now there's nothing to compare yourself to. And comparison has been said is the thief of joy. Comparison is a game that never ends if you allow yourself to get caught on that treadmill. So back to best. Why is best not as effective at motivating behavior. You should act with specific and measurable purpose. Best is not a measure that is specific or measurable. So as I explained in a previous episode, I was focused on being the best home builder. But when I operated, when I was specific and measurable, I thought about being number one in any sub-market that I was in. Number one in market share. That was actionable. It was specific. It was measurable. I knew every Monday morning when I printed my market reports whether I was achieving best or not achieving best. The trigger response when someone asks you, well, what do you want to be? I want to be the best. It's not wrong to say that. It's not wrong to aspire toward best. But that word alone isn't going to get you where you want to be. Fix your why is about refining your why. 
So you can act based on, call it an inadequate why. But with each action, when you measure the results and you create that feedback loop, you can start to understand if the action focused on a particular destination is achieving the result that you need to be effective or successful or achieve at a high level. So it's important that you challenge yourself, not every day, but often on what best looks like. Even your measures of success should be challenged. What worked today may not work tomorrow to achieve the kind of market leadership that you are intent on achieving. Product design, the methods and practices that you use to develop the products that you deliver to the marketplace. You may find new technologies, you may find resources that you use to produce your product have become more expensive or less reliable, requiring change and improvement. You have to anticipate that. So being best alone, as I say, doesn't get you there. On the Fix Your Why podcast, I have the good fortune to spend some episodes interviewing people who are living their dreams, who are meeting the marketplace, who are being challenged every day. And, and we can learn from their experience. And as I dialogue with these people, we sometimes dive in on what their why is. And, and I get a word like best. I was interviewing Natalia Nakamura and we, we got onto the subject of her why and she said, I want to thrive. And I explained that thrive alone is not specific and measurable. At the same time, I said, I love that word thrive because there's an energy in thrive that felt different to me than the energy that I had behind the word best. Now, Natalia happens to work in an industry uh, of a real self-improvement industry, the spa business. She's trying to help people look their very best. Again, that's a subjective outcome. But Natalia recognized that looking your best is one thing feeling like you look your best is another. And again, it's defined by the individual. Natalia is an expert in what she delivers in terms of service to that client, but it's the client who's gonna define whether or not Natalia has achieved what that client was hoping for. So as I say, you have to be clear about your measures of success. And again, I think it's important to challenge those measures constantly. We create feedback loops. We collaborate with our consultants, with our team to chart a course going forward, that future state that we've talked about. You wanna be clear about what that future looks like, but you act 
based on intentions that you set in that moment, in that week, for that year. Your intention setting is critical to the success that you achieve, to the level of achievement that you deliver. As I said, I stacked my whys when running my home building company, and it was the convergence or the layering of those whys that created some exceptional performance. To design the best floor plan, best in whose eyes? Well, I was serving a particular customer base. The better I understood that customer, the more effectively I could serve that customer. The best floor plan was really a determination made by the customers that I met in a specific market in which I was building. So the more market research I could do around that customer need, the more effectively I could deliver to meet that need. In the home building business, there really is no perfect home. I'm sure there was a point in time when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, that I thought I could design the perfect home. But the truth is, there is no perfect home. Because each home that we designed was specific to a particular piece of land, constrained by certain entitlements, limited in materials that were affordable at the time. All of those factors contributed to create a final product. I competed among multiple home builders in that market. And the customer would sift through all that was available and usually have to make trade-offs in whatever final product they selected. I was hopeful they made fewer trade-offs when selecting my product, but the truth is it's very subjective that word best. For me as a home builder, market share dominance led to a certain control of the market that yielded predictable sales and profitability. Those were the measures that were important to my company that ensured the survivability of my company. We talk about working with the best. I had the good fortune to work with some very talented architects and interior designers. I think about the various architects that I collaborated with and they had a real passion for product design, but it was product design within a particular slice of a market need. Could have been, you know, most of it was single family homes. There were also townhomes and condominiums that we designed. But when it came to the single family home, it might be a four bedroom house. It might be a three bedroom house. It was constrained by the lot width and the lot depth. There were floor, floor area ratio requirements that we had to adhere to in certain municipalities. So there was also, there was always a limiting factor that we had to accept when we were designing 
any floor plan. But my architects approached design much differently than I approached meeting customer need. They became expert, for instance, at a 30-foot wide three-bedroom home. What worked in the California market might work in the Florida market, may not work in the Chicago market. So the way they thought about kitchen, the way they thought about family room relating to kitchen and family room relating to outdoor space differed depending upon the market that you were in. They relished the challenge of designing that particular home in multiple markets. The better I could inform them about the needs that drove my customers' choices, the better the ultimate design would be. And so BEST operated again on many levels. The best data and information I could provide, the best entitlements that we could gain with a specific municipality, the best design that the best architect was able to deliver based on the requirements that we set. I learned that elevating the output of these consultants and collaborators was key to the success of my company and the fulfillment and satisfaction that I received in doing my job. I loved working with creative people. I really admired their passion they had a connection to something that was bigger than themselves. They recognized that. I wanted that significance in my life. And when I worked with them, I felt closer to true creativity than analyzing a spreadsheet or a balance sheet or whatever. It was different. And it, it moved me in a way that maybe brought diversity to my workday, but there was something special about that art form, drawing lines on a piece of paper that ended up being somebody's home that actually would wow, hopefully wow the marketplace. So let's transition now to our personal best. We have work doing and we have life doing. And we think about our work lives and our personal lives often as separate things. But as they say, if you love what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life. So for me, that's work and personal blending together. And the more integrated we can be, I believe the more satisfied we are in what we're doing. I think intention is everything. I think if we believe we are doing good work, we feel better about the work that we're doing. If we're intent on making a difference in whatever little, little corner of the world we operate in, I think there's a level of fulfillment and satisfaction that really leads to a wonderful life. Who doesn't want to be inspired? We talked about 
best leadership. I think effective leadership is leadership that inspires the people that walk through your door every day to create. I know I love being inspired. And as a leader, if I can touch that place in another where together we collaborate and knowingly collaborate at a higher level, that's inspiration. And I have found that we can create something neither one of us alone might have conceived. You can't do that every day because it takes a certain amount of energy and, and I'll even say luck to operate in that environment. But I've been there, I've been able to create it, I've been able to experience it. And it's, as I, as I wrote in my book, I got hungry for it. You can feel like you have a cause when you come to work every day, that your efforts are focused on really making a difference in whatever it is you do, whatever little slice you might be responsible for. Never underestimate the impact that you can make in the world. Maybe you show up at work one day not thinking you're about to create something unique but then you have the opportunity to operate on a team focused on creating at a unique level. Or maybe you're the one that shows up and inspires your leader to want to be a little bit better at what your company is delivering to the marketplace. So as I say, I think we all wanna be the best at whatever we're doing. I think that intention is important. But for you to fulfill the dreams that you have in your life, you have to be specific and measurable in your actions and in the results that you, that you seek. And you have to be honest about those results. If you aim for a result and you miss, that's okay. Because you're going to get better the next time. You have to be strong enough to learn from your mistakes and grateful enough to appreciate your achievements. Thank you for joining me today on the Fix Your Why podcast. I'm Billy Ryan.